You're listening to the Young Arthroplasty Group Augment podcast channel, part of AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Kevin Son, I'm at Indiana University in Indianapolis. I'm Mark Mildren. I work at the Slocum Center for Orthopedics in Eugene, Oregon. I'm Brian Chalmers. I'm one of the hip and knee surgeons at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York. I'm Anna Cohen-Rosenblum. I'm an academic hip and knee surgeon at Louisiana State University in New Orleans and the current Young Arthroplasty Group Chair. And we are very delighted to welcome our guest today, Dr. Brian Springer, who's a hip and knee surgeon at Ortho Carolina in Charlotte and the current AUKUS president. So welcome, Dr. Springer. Thank you. It's great to be here. And actually, it's great to be back. I had such an awesome time when we did this the first time that I'm really excited to be back. Yes, and for our listeners, go back to listen to our season one episode about the AJRR and learn all about that there. Lots of colorful graphics. (laughs) So what are our goals and the main initiatives for AUKUS this year? One of our big initiatives this year was we had to renew our charter which comes up for renewal every four or five years. And so we're always reevaluating and relooking at our mission statement. And we're always looking at what we call our kind of pillars for success or what AUKUS stands for. So, you know, the obvious ones, education and research. But advocacy is a big part. Lord knows advocacy has been a big part of it this year, probably more than ever. And then we were very fortunate enough to add our fourth pillar, which is humanitarianism which is a a big part of what we all do. But I think to be able to codify that as part of our mission was really exciting for us. Yes, and AUKUS has always had a strong presence in the last couple of decades and being leaders in in orthoplasty for all of us. What do you think has made it so successful and growing as an organization in the past and, and continued success in the future? Yeah, I think it's our responsiveness. You know, I think um, the fact that while, yes, we're a large organization, we're still very nimble and it's still very meaningful to hip and knee arthroplasty surgeons, right? I think it's the source for knowledge and resources that our hip and knee arthroplasty surgeons come to for education, you know, certainly for research. And I think it just remains nimble and we're, we're always willing to change and kind of respond to the times and what's going on with arthroplasty and what's going on within education. I certainly think that I don't think it's unfair to say that this is, you know, the best meeting in hip and knee arthroplasty every year, right? I mean, just look at the response. We're here on a, on a Thursday before the meeting starts and already seems really crowded. We're in a hotel that's a third bigger than what we've been in in the, in the years past. That kind of speaks to the growth in the interest. And I think it's all the other intangible stuff. You know, it's having a YAG committee that's so important to engage our young members. It's having WIA, it's having our diversity board, all of these things that just grow as kind of these outpouches based on the needs of the members and the willingness of the organization to be able to take all of those on and be receptive to expanding things out year after year. That's great. I was going to ask what your favorite AUKUS committee was, but now we know it's YAG. Yeah, so right. that's exactly. been established. <laughs> exactly. Even though I don't qualify anywhere <laughs> okay. close to being it. Honorary member for <laughs> honorary right. member. emeritus. That's right. Emeritus <laughs> member of. <laughs> well, speaking of you know involvement in AUKUS, how did you get involved? So let's take it back. What what was your first involvement in the organization? So if you had asked me 15 years ago if I ever would have wanted to be president or ever thought I would have, I would have said, "Heck no! There's no way in heck I would have ever wanted." to do this. Um, And and it's a question that we get, I think we all get all the time, how do I get involved, 
right? How do I get involved in AUKUS? And the great thing about AUKUS is there's so many ways that you can get involved. I started off as an abstract reviewer. That was my very first foray into AUKUS when I took my first job in practice 17 years ago. One of my partners was involved in AUKUS said, hey, you want to review abstracts for the annual meeting? So I started reviewing abstracts for the annual meeting. And it's just like anything in life. You do a good job, right? You show up. Every once in a while, you put forth a useful comment. And, you know, I went from being an abstract reviewer to being a member of the education committee, right? And then I stayed on the education committee, and I worked my way up to be the chair of that committee. And I, from there, I kind of springboarded into the, into the presidential line. So it's, and that's the great thing about the organization, right? You can start off as being an abstract reviewer, and you can end up being, you know, the fortunate circumstance to be president for a year. And that's true for anybody that wants to be involved in AUKUS. There's so many opportunities where you can start on all the various committees on reviewing abstracts, on reviewing for Journal of Arthroplasty. There's such a need to want to get people involved. I think that's excellent insight for our viewership, hearership, whatever you call it. Yeah. Because that's something when, when we start, there's such a wide range of goals when you start out as a young surgeon, how much involvement you want to be in that kind of thing. And there's, I think there's this kind of thought amongst fellows and as you come out oh if i'm going to be the president of AUKUS, i need to have a that's my goal from day one absolutely and not. hearing that right. is just it's really useful exactly to, you can involve it as much as or as little as you want and as much as little as you want yeah. and you can mold it and shape it for anything that you want it to be that's a great thing about the organization and i mean you you, you all already see this and many of the young arthroplasty group members will see this if not to realize it your goals and what you want to have a practice change over time right i mean when i joined practice, you know, like I said, 15, 17 years ago. I didn't know anything about the business aspect of medicine. I didn't know anything about advocacy. But through this organization, I was able to learn about advocacy and learn about, you know, the different sides of medicine other than just what we do every day. And that's kind of the cool thing. It breaks up the monotony of just your everyday practice. I mean, how cool is this that you guys are sitting here hosting a podcast, right? That's pretty incredible in talking about something that you know and you love. And it breaks up kind of the everyday routine that we're in in our practices. Okay, what are we fighting about this year? What is going to be the controversies (laughs) for hip and knee arthroplasty in 2022 and 2023? Well, I think as you all know, we continue to face this challenge of hip and knee arthroplasty being devalued, right? And we're seeing it across multiple fronts. So we saw it with our hip and knee arthroplasty codes being cut earlier in the year, despite all of our efforts to try and avert that from happening. And now we're seeing it on the bigger stage with just Medicare in general, with the potential, the decrease in the conversion factor, that 4.2% conversion factor, the expiration of this pay-go, all these things that are going to continue to affect our reimbursement. And that physician fee schedule by Medicare was just put out beginning in November. So this is what they're saying that they're going to, this is how they're going to cut us across the board for Medicare. And our hope is that Congress will intervene before the end of the year. There's a House resolution, House Resolution 8800, that's on the table to prevent those cuts from going into place. And so our advocacy group is spending a lot of time now talking with our congressional leaders, our Senate leaders, to try and prevent that from happening. And it's unfortunate because ultimately the concern is that it could trickle down and hurt the patients and create an access issue for patients that have Medicare, right? The patients that have not only paid into this their whole lives, but need it the most, right? And that they're going to be the ones that potentially suffer the most. So there has to be a fix to all of this. We can't just keep kicking this can down the road. 
we know there's going to be this shift to value-based care. We know there's going to be this shift to population health. But if you want us to be involved and be part of that solution, I think we have to feel like we have a seat at the table and have a voice in all of this. So that's something that we're all on the same side of. What's the controversial thing that we're still have a faction between us that we're on different <laughs> sides of Ooh. maybe clinically? You're just trying to yeah, create drama. That's a, that's I a, see. Yeah, that. that's a great question. You know, I think, you know, maybe a big one's technology, right? And maybe the implementation or utilization of technology and arthroplasty. I mean, all you have to do is walk around here and see the, you know, the posters and the exhibits and things along those lines. And your generation certainly embraces this way more than my generation, which is kind of the middle generation, certainly more than the older generation. So I think we need to figure out how do we safely and cautiously evaluate technology? Is it really truly bending the needle for our patients versus is it just an added expense and a marketing tool? So, but that's a great thing about meetings like this, right? There's numerous papers on these topics that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of days and we're going to have great discussions. So I think that still remains a big controversial issue for us. I just wanted to ask, like, so AOS membership is declining, whereas AUKUS membership is going, yeah. like, skyrocketing. Yeah. I mean, what do you think yeah. is the difference? Is it uh, just more general practitioners that are getting involved in the Hippony Society? What do you think is the discrepancy there? Yeah, it's, it's a good question, I think. And certainly we have a very strong relationship with AOS. You know, we have a lot of symbiosis with advocacy and education and research. But I think it gets back to what I said earlier about some of the benefits of AUKUS, which is I think it represents more the voice of our membership. I think our arthroplasty membership feel like they have their loudest voice and can make the biggest impact through a subspecialty society. And obviously we all want AOS to succeed and we want to partner with them and continue to have that growth, but it's really a matter of what's relevant to our membership. And I think we just have such unique ways to offer that to them. You know, obviously, AUKUS is doing a great job in their committee and, and talking to Congress and, and doing a lot of things on the advocacy side. How can some of our members get involved and how can we, on a day-to-day -day basis, show that what the value yeah. of the actual care that we provide to our patients is? Yeah, it's a really good question. I would say the, the biggest thing, and I went through this myself and to an extent still go through it, is don't be intimidated by it. I think if you're not directly involved with it, you kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in. It can be very complicated. You know, we talk about this alphabet soup of value-based care and macro and all these different things. And it can be very easy to be intimidated and say, I'm not going to be involved in that. I think you need to use it as a learning opportunity. And being involved in advocacy and the advocacy committee should serve as a huge learning opportunity for yourself as an individual and for your group and for your practice and for your patients, right? Because Really, yes, we're advocating for ourselves as a profession, but we're really advocating for our patients ultimately, right? Access to care, timely access to care, value in their care. So I would say don't, you don't have to be an expert in the area to get involved. And this is true for anything within AUKUS and it's true for anything we do, right? You don't have to be an expert in that area to feel like you want to get involved. I would also argue it should be the opposite. You should take that leap of faith and jump into something and getting something involved that's completely out of your comfort zone, right? And you will learn more about it from that perspective than you will by just going in as the content expert in that one area. And so I don't think any of the YAG members or anybody within AUKUS 
should feel intimidated about being involved in a lot of these committees. I think on an everyday level, the more you learn about it, the more you're going to advocate for your patients. And, you know, there's a lot of great podcasts. That's, that's what I did. I started listening to podcasts about healthcare. I started reading white paper. You read Becker's, you know, you do all these different things. And it just, and then as you can start to feel more comfortable being involved in the conversation. And I think, you know, we all want to be efficient and we're all doing things, you know, more outpatient, more efficiently, yeah. showing all these papers about how we can do things in a more timely manner. Do you think that's hurting us a little bit? So, yes, I think in a sense we've been a little bit of the victims of our own success from this perspective, right? They kind of led us down this path of value-based care. And because of that, we've said we can optimize patients, we can make them healthier for surgery, we could do a better job. We can lower their complication rate. We can lessen their hospital stay. A lot of them can go home as an outpatient. And instead of that being rewarded and returned to us, it's been penalized, right? And that's the devaluation. Oh, well, look, you guys can do all this. Well, then you don't need to be paid as much to do this. When, in fact, many of the studies show we're actually working a lot harder to be able to make these patients safe and to do them as an outpatient and the follow-up that's required that falls outside of what we're able to bill and code for. And that actually was a huge win for AUKUS this year was to be able to go to CMS and say, hey, we're doing all of this pre-work. None of that is recognized within a bundled or a value-based care program. And it was a big fight, and they have finally, to an extent, and there's going to be more information coming out about this in the next month to six weeks or so, somewhat capitulated and said, you know what, you're right. You guys are doing a lot of pre-optimization. It does make things better for the patient. You're doing work. You showed us the data. Here's some codes that you can use to actually start coding and potentially get reimbursed for that, quote, pre-service time. That was a big win. That was a big win. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Springer. And it's great to hear that anybody who starts reviewing abstracts could someday make their way up the leadership. Even you, Mark. Maybe <laughs> even you. I'm still waiting for my first year, useful uh, <laughs> <laughs> these days. Well, thank you for having me. It's always great to be here. And thank you for everything that your committee is doing. Thank you for joining us for the Young Arthroplasty Group Augment podcast channel. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.